0: Behavioral scientist uh, who turns mind into money—that's my—that's my my slogan—and technology is also, on a broader, more philosophical sense, kind of turned us into robots, I guess, in a way uh, where we're just kind of responding to stimuli, like like mice with bits of cheese and electric shocks. It's kind of the nudification, the behavioral scienceification of society, Um, and it can be a little bit. Uh, dangerous. Even Hitler said that he preferred to give his speeches at night because uh, people's willpower was less because people were tired. Uh, Being smart is great. You know, intellectual thought and rational thought are great, obviously, but uh, there tends to be this belief that if you're smart, you can't get brainwashed. But actually, some research suggests it doesn't necessarily protect you and it might actually make you more vulnerable. Um, As George Orwell said, there are some things so absurd that only an intellectual can believe them if you stack multiple fears on top of one another, uh, that's going to be more uh, persuasive and and engaging. Um, So a good example is there was this viral story about COVID was caused by snake venom in the water. I don't know if you remember that, but that's three fears stacked on top of one another, the fear of disease, the fear of snakes, and the fear of uh, poisoning the well. Um, So it's like bam, 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 so that just makes it more effective.
1: Hello, fam, fam. Hello, fellows! Welcome to the next episode of Jacket with Jasravi. Subscribe to my channel for conversations at the edge with thought leaders of the branding, marketing, and the business world. Conversations that ignite new ideas, ideas with rough and sharp edges. Hello, Patrick! I'm thrilled to have you on my show.
0: Hi, uh, good to be back.
1: Yes, with, <laughs> with another book.
0: Yeah, yeah, another one. And it's uh is now a Sunday Times bestseller, so there's a social proof nudge there for everybody to go out and buy it.
1: Now that Twitter has also become X. If you had to tweet your profile, what would you say?
0: Behavioral scientist, uh, who turns mind into money. That's my that's my slogan. And this is not really tweetable, but I take the the academic side of psychology, the science, and think about how to practically apply it. For, for brands
1: yeah yeah okay there's another thing that we have to get aside uh which is with how did you decide to buy that book because behavioral scientists are helping typically marketers to figure out how to influence things you want uh and i'm not i'm not saying it, uh, it's essentially ethical but the idea is influence consumers for your self-interest yes you might be the consumers problem as well and now you're saying hello consumers really be alert to what's going on so that you can really be discerning about how you respond so how did that happen how did you come on our side
0: yeah absolutely well um i would say i don't think there's anything particularly wrong with brands using Um, well, I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all. I that's what I do for a living, um, you know, helping a website move a uh, button to the top left so it gets seen, or, or putting a puppy in an advert to make it more emotional. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, really. Uh, Coca-Cola trying to get you to buy more Coca-Cola, I think we all kind of accept that and agree to the terms, you know. Um, I think the the issue, however, is it's all gone a bit much recently. Um, everyone's trying to influence us all the time. Uh, and even if they may feel that they have, um, <clears throat> good intentions, it still is this kind of onslaught of, of nudging and influence and manipulation from fake news, real news, propaganda, uh, adverts, salespeople pick up artists. It's just uh, constantly, I think two things have, uh, driven that one is. Advances in behavioral science, of course, uh, understanding how to influence people. And the second is uh, technology, uh, which has allowed people to be given messages any time, any place, and also for their data points to be measured, analyzed, and used to um, uh, predict and influence their behavior. And technology is also on a broader, more philosophical sense, kind of turned us into robots, I guess, in a way. Uh, where we're just kind of responding to stimuli, like like mice with bits of cheese and electric shocks, is kind of the nudgification, the behavioral scienceification of society, um, and it can be a little bit uh, dangerous to go down that road. So, um, nothing against nudging, obviously. I do it for a career, but the point of the book is to say, okay, here's what's happening, uh, and here's how you can kind of protect yourself if you want to
1: so uh, i'm just curious before we get into uh you know uh, specific aspects would your book uh is it only a message for the consumers to be alert that this is happening or is it also a message for uh clients who are putting the stimulus out there that hello your intention might be not bad but do you realize what's really how is it really impacting is it only for consumers or for marketers as
0: well it is mostly for consumers but i think there's some very important lessons in there for marketers about how to influence people uh, while maintaining their autonomy and i guess the kind of techniques not to use Um, there was a meta-analysis i saw recently where they found that if you're transparent that you're using a nudge it doesn't make it less effective so you can be transparent you can kind of give people autonomy. And in fact, we have a chapter about how if you give people autonomy, uh, actually, it makes your lives more effective sometimes because they feel that it's their own choice, and so they're not resisting as much. Um, but yeah, there's some important lessons in there for marketers. Um, uh, if you're a bit evil, you can kind of reverse engineer what's in the book. Um, so, for example, one of the chapters is about how to resist incrementalism, the foot in the door technique. You know, slow changes over time. So you could turn around and use that to make slow changes over time.
1: Yeah, it, it, yeah, it works both directions, but yeah, let's use it for. When I'm reading about the book, you know, whole thing about awakening to manipulation, you know how how the topic is introduced. When you talk about modern technology encourages artful choreography over truth. Where the digital marketing and advertising world exploits data and predictive models to influence behaviors and models, and you're talking about AI, machine learning, and personal data coming together, become a combination that's 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 that can be very dangerous. So, could you elaborate a little bit on this?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, in terms of there being more artful choreography over truth. Uh, We all do this really, we're all mini propagandists in a way. We post things on social media that present ourselves in the best light. We use filters. Uh, We post our job updates on LinkedIn when we have something to post about, um, but we don't post updates when we get fired or don't uh, make a client happy. So we're always kind of uh, presenting ourselves in the best light Uh, and of course, Governments and advertisers and so on are doing that as well. They're, they're presenting things in a way to influence behavior, which may have a um, a complicated relationship with the truth. So something can be true, but the way it's sprained will its behavior, with loss aversion, for example, if you tell people a medical procedure has a 99% chance of survival, people are more likely to take it than if it has a 1% mortality rate. Even though that's the same information, it's the way you present it, um, which influences behavior. Uh, So we all do it. Um, But as you said, uh, data and predictive models uh, make it even more sophisticated and potentially dangerous um, because you can present versions of the truth that resonate with people more. Personally, you can do personalized persuasion. Um, You can get people into bubbles where they're disconnected from one another. and you can really, with predictive data, kind of read people's minds. I mean, we're not quite there yet, but there are a couple of papers. One of them is actually called "Can Computers Read Our Minds. Uh, and the answer is probably yes. Um, but you may have seen these studies with fMRI where they're able to recreate an image that people are looking at just based on brain signals. Um, so we're going to quite a potentially tricky place where this artful choreography can be made very very sophisticated attractive and uh true looking uh, even though it may not actually be the truth and that's to say nothing of things like apple's Vision pro headsets where people are going to be plugged into this artful choreography 24 hours a day soon yeah
1: again yeah. what can people start doing uh, uh to protect themselves to safeguard themselves from this because this is like you said, I mean, it, it has happened to history, certain amount of manipulation, but today it's overwhelming and, and, and you know, there are, every tool is aiding this. It, yeah, every new uh, advancement yeah, in this. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, the one thing you can do is get immunity. You can get a certain level of immunity against these techniques. If you know, they are and you can spot them then you're more you're better able to resist them it's not perfect it doesn't always work uh, it's a bit like an optical illusion even if you know it's an optical illusion you can't unsee it and in the same way even if you know for example the supply of diamonds is artificially restricted by De beers to make them scarce and therefore valuable you might know that rationally and yet i'm sure you'd still love some diamonds um so you can't really totally be immune, but you can get some level of protection by learning about the techniques, uh by reading the book, for example, available in all good bookstores. Um, but yeah, as I said, it's not perfect, but there are some other things you can do as well. Uh one is simply to resist to, to limit your exposure to these techniques, to these kind of manipulative materials. Um so for example, using Twitter less, watching the news a bit less, uh watching adverts less. Um, I know it sounds obvious, but there was uh, a book called Battle for the Mind, which was about brainwashing back in the uh, 50s, I think. And it, said, it talked about how the only dogs that Avlo couldn't condition were those who just kind of ignored the belt in the first place. Um, and so if you don't want to be conditioned, you just kind of have to ignore the belt. Uh, we spoke to a magician and I asked him, how do you not get tricked by a magician? And he said, don't go to the show. So just kind of cut down your exposure a bit. I mean, no one's expecting anyone to stop watching TV completely, that's a very big ask, but just uh, reduce your exposure and be more might be exposed. Um, and then be aware of the conditions through which you're exposed uh, to potentially manipulative materials. Um, if you are tired, hungry, uh, lonely, um, anxious or stressed, if you are ill or if you need the toilet, Basically, anything which kind of uh, reduces your conscious brain power brings down your critical defenses. uh, That makes you more vulnerable to uh, persuasion. So uh, even Hitler said that he preferred to give his speeches at night because uh, people's willpower was less because people were tired. Um, Also, intellectual humility is important. Um, Just be aware that whoever you are, whatever beliefs you may have, they could be wrong. Um, just always be open to at least ask them questions um, and uh, try to find out what are other points of view, other perspectives and integrate them into yours uh, so there's more to it of course, it's all in the book but those are some broad themes
1: yeah awesome, so many threads that um, I could take here from um, Yeah. so so one is that you be more mindful of your state, first reduce exposure um you know, be be uh, alert to how much you are allocating, how much time, and uh, you know, yeah, yeah exposure you are having uh, in a day. Just be alert to that and start from there. Reduce it. Be mindful of your state when you are exposing yourself. Um, so that is technology, and you're talking about certain internal human qualities like humility. Uh, there was something else also that you talked about, which is uh, uh, being more aware of your own principles. Yeah. So you're talking yeah. about introspection, you're talking about being anchored, uh, and, and you know having a strong foundation of your own beliefs so that you're not easing sway. Now, these, these are very, very powerful uh, the things that you're seeing for humanity. I mean... Mm-hmm not just for business, but just the fact that we are always bombarded with so many so much technology and we end up being reactive. We're not even fully really aware of what we want, what is our direction, where are we moving? And that is affecting the entire humanity to to not be their authentic or best self. Yeah. Right. Um, so so could you could you speak to a little bit more on that as well? About
0: humanity yeah. and one's own principles. Yeah. So on the, the humility side, um being smart is great. You know, intellectual thought, rational thought are great, obviously, but uh there tends to be this belief that if you're smart you can't get brainwashed. But actually some research suggests it doesn't necessarily protect you and it might actually make you more vulnerable. Um as George Orwell said, there are some things so absurd that only an intellectual can believe them. Because smart people are really good at rationalizing, that's what the rational mind does, it rationalizes so they can come up with reasons for why they believe what they believe, but their belief or anyone's belief is more often than not driven by emotional, situational factors. It's just that smart people are better for coming up with a reason why, Um, and they're more confident in their beliefs, they're more likely to think that it's true, even though it might not be. So... Uh, Having some humility and also listening to your guts uh, is really important. I know there's at least one or two studies that have found that a mindfulness meditation can reduce susceptibility to cognitive bias. So it's about being in touch with uh, your emotional intuitive responses to something because that's when you'll be able to pick up if something's not quite right. Uh, But to your other point about the importance of principles, uh, yeah, the chapter is called uh, Stand for Something or Fall for Anything. Um, and this applies, as you said, on a really big scale, societal scale, that when um, societies become more secular and more, um, uh, if communities are more fractured and splintered, and if there's less emphasis on the family, a lot of this stuff which you're seeing in the West of the Millet, um, that can be quite dangerous because there's everything's kind of broken down and people aren't connected to something solid. Um, and that's potentially where... These mass movements can take hold because people are looking for security. They're looking for belonging. Uh, they're kind of like, you know, in a, a chemical reaction. When it breaks down, it means the the constituent parts are more reactive. They want to bind to something else. To, to Same thing with with people. Um, and you're seeing quite extreme political movements emerge on all sides of the political spectrum now, as people are looking for this this purpose or meaning. Um, so, if you can anchor yourself to something. You know, traditionally, it's a religion, but it doesn't have to be. It can be family, community, philosophy, your job, even uh, hobbies. Um, uh, One book, uh, The True Believer by Eric Hopper, he says how people with hobbies are more, um, or people who are creative are more resistant to these mass movements because they have something to focus on and spend their time on. So, yes, it's important to anchor yourself to these principles on a big scale, But even on a small scale, you know, if you go shopping, you're less likely to overspend if you go in with a shopping list. If you go to the casino, if you have a set budget in mind, you're less likely to to lose more money. Uh, So it's all about having kind of a plan and something uh, secure to stick to.
1: Beautifully explained that from excessive shopping to, you know, being led astray to do something some terrorist act or criminal act. I mean, it's it's just, you know, degrees differences perhaps because, you know, because you've also talked about cults and how, you know, they manipulate and how people have actually come out of that also, you know, once they have awakened uh, with effort, which, which is so tough because, you know, yeah, I mean, that same simulation is there, you know, you're in a bubble, you're being brainwashed. It's the only one soup that you're being exposed to. And incidentally, Patrick, I'm watching a lot of Madam Secretary these days. I don't know why I landed on. And, you know, every now and then the issues that are coming up is is people being misled, youth being misled, or, you know, a faction of society being misled. This um, It's happening so much. So simple things like you're saying that uh, meditation, uh, being aware, introspection, your hobbies, your family, and and Maybe creativity, because I think creativity and spirituality go hand in hand. So, you know, that that's so wonderful uh, because you are always in touch with your own truth, your own uh, voice. These are ways to be a good human being, also, and a happier human being, also, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, you've also talked about trip. you've talked about, and I, I'll come to trigger stack, stacking. What is that? Uh, and if you can explain that. But you also talked about uh, fear and how fear as as a tool uh, is being abused. So could you talk about both of these things, one by one?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> uh, fear is H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, the horror writer, said that fear is the oldest and the strongest emotion, um, and brain imaging research suggests he was probably correct. Uh, a metroanalysis analysis found. Fear produced on our strongest response in the amygdala. Uh, because, you know, your number one goal at the end of the day is to not die, really. Um, and so anything which, which helps you not die or anything you need to notice that could be dangerous, So you're going to pay a lot of attention to that. Um, so fear is a very, very strong emotion. Um, but there are a lot of issues around using it in persuasion. Well, there are two issues really. The first is it doesn't really work uh, because uh, people tend to react negatively to it. So, what you might see is reactants where people try and insert their will. So, if you try and scare smokers into not smoking by having gruesome imagery, they will then smoke just to be like, well, screw you, don't stop trying to manipulate me. and secondly also it has to be matched with efficacy Uh, so you have to give people the tools to deal with the fear Um, so uh, you can't just say smoking will kill you you have to say smoking will kill you but you can easily quit with this new uh, nicotine gut you have to give people the tools to do something about it but it's hard to do that so generally speaking fear doesn't really work that well Um, but the other issue is that it's pretty unethical I mean So I'm a university lecturer, and I supervise dissertations. And if a student wants to scare their subjects, for example, show them some scary movies or or sad movies, put them in any kind of negative news, it's very hard to get ethical approval for that because you're having a negative impact on someone's day, possibly their life. Um, And if you do, you have to put them in a good mood afterwards. So at the end of the experiment, show them some funny video clips or something. Um, because fear can have all sorts of negative impacts, especially chronic fear. Um, it's, it's negative emotion is very bad for you. It's bad even for your physical state, uh, stress, uh, and it hinders the immune system and we get sick. Um, so, I mean, it's it's obvious really that scary to people, especially in a chronic way, is not very good for them. Um, and we saw that, of course, over the last two years. Um, and even if it was a noble goal um the government's really really scared the bejesus out of people uh chronically and um now we are seeing kind of mental health um a mental health kind of shockwave from that uh so my co-author laura dotsworth is a journalist wrote about this in her last book um but yeah fear strongest emotion very very powerful grabbing with behavior and directing it um it can overwhelm people i mean one of the main things about uh, so the brainwashing is that you want to break people's conscious awareness down that's why it's good to make them tired or hungry uh, or or um uh, whatever ill um but also emotionally overwhelmed um so the more uh, I think Carl Jung said that that mass movements are may have been good stuff the bottom mass movements only happen when the crowd, reaches a certain emotional temperature. So you need to get really, really worked up and then there's this breakdown and, uh, you know, things happen. Um, fear, I guess, is the the easiest way to do that. It kind of overwhelms people's critical thoughts um, and that allows them to be suggested and manipulated. And we know that when people are scared, they're more likely to rely on heuristics, particularly following the crowd or following a, a leader in authority. Um, and so, you know, some have argued that's why fear Yeah, every government really tries to impose some kind of emergency uh, over the years. You know, we had the war of terror. Now we have seemingly endless pandemics. Um, That's not to say these issues don't exist, but they certainly seem to be kind of amplified and used politically because they're a great way of keeping people distracted and tired and and doing what you want them to do. Um, And so trigger stacking is something that comes from animal behavioral psychology. Essentially, let's say you have a, a dog and the dog uh, gets whiffed at by a bigger dog, and then their caramel goes off, and then there's thunder in the sky. These fear stimuli kind of stuck on top of one another, and it gets to the point where then the dog has a break valve and kind of goes a bit mad uh, and you know may bite you or, or misbehave or whatever. Um, and in the same way with people, if you stack multiple fears on top of one another, uh, that's going to be more. Uh, persuasive and, and engaging um so a good example is there was this viral story about covid was caused by snake venom in water i don't know if you remember that but that's three fears stacked on top of one another the fear of disease the fear of snakes and the fear of uh poisoning the well um so it's like bam 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 so that just makes it more effective hmm.
1: Hmm. i was actually inserting um a vaccine manufacturer, like, just recently, and um, they were talking about, like, another variant is born on and people with comorbidities should go for the vaccine, etc. And um, so, you know, there was a whole discussion about which approach to take, because there is a whole lot of cynicism, there is a whole lot of fatigue around the topic, there's a whole lot of resistance to... Uh, even wanting to think about it because people have gone through so much and it's like, you know, it's, it's like a chapter I don't want to open for some time at least. Um, uh, we, we're not really dealt with what we've gone through at some level. So what, so fear cannot, if, 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 and, and fear in that situation would be truly manipulated because it actually is not such a big of a deal, you know, but yeah, a company wants to sell their vaccine and could be relevant to a certain, you know, niche of audience. So how sh- how can they ethically uh, go about it?
0: Well, this is probably an example of reactants, which I talked about earlier. You know, if you tell the teenager they're not allowed to smoke, they'll probably go out on smoke just to spite you uh, in order to feel that they have some autonomy and, and free will. Um, and so people were, again, a noble cause potentially, but people were uh, really kind co- of coerced and nudged and manipulated into getting um, the, the COVID vaccine. Some people didn't want to. I mean, if you look at, in the UK at least, the number of people who had to, a first dose versus the second or third, you know, there's millions and millions of people um, who didn't want to get any more. And so, um, potentially maybe medicine's getting the first one. But anyway, so you're probably seeing some reactants around things like no jab, no job, vaccine passports, that kind of thing. A lot of people did feel coerced into it. And so now we're seeing again, I, I know in the UK, uh I think record low childhood immunization rates. Um so it's kind of like this um reactance, this this um uh unintended consequence. Um, of, of the mandates. As for what to do about that, I learned was kind of recently about a nudge called the "but you are free" technique, where if you ask people, Can you say
1: what,
0: what's the technique? Uh, the "but you are free" technique. Um, so, if I were to ask someone to do something, and then mm-hmm. afterwards say, "But you're free to do it. It's up to you. It's your choice." on average, according to what a meta-analysis, it makes them twice as likely to actually do it because they feel like they have that autonomy. So I think that could be a good a good match.
1: Yeah, like uh, give a sense of control, then give a choice in the matter and they feel that, yes, they decided and, and they weren't co- coerced in it. But that's amazing, like the reactors think the child immunization has gone down because people have had enough of, vaccination like overdose or vaccination wow you also talked about comedy and humor how they can effectively dismantle manipulated narratives and combat misinformation and that's amazingly interesting who would have thought of that so why don't you share something about that uh
0: yeah there's two reasons why humor can be affected uh one is because cathartic release of emotion um so all of that stress, fear, or anger that you might be holding inside, fear just, uh, sorry, humor just lets you let it out. And so if you don't let it out, it will kind of build up and then it, um, it needs to release valve. And if it's not humor, then it could be going to protest and smash all things up or, or worse. Um, so humor is break for that reason. Uh, but secondly, um, it's also because... Uh, Brainwashers and manipulators often draw power from the illusion of power. So, if you think somebody can do something, if you think they're powerful and mysterious and magical, then they're more likely to influence you. You're more likely to be influenced by them. Uh, and it's been found with with uh, magic tricks, for example. If you think you know how it's done, if you think it's not really magic, then it, it just won't work as well. Um, so, there's kind of an element of theater. Um, an illusion about it. It's a bit like the uh, the Wizard of Oz is really just a tiny metal behind curtain, uh, or in World War Two, one uh, and two, I think uh, both sides had inflatable tents to make their armies seem bigger because they were, that illusion of power uh, has control. And in cults and mass movements, people tend to attach to a strong, powerful, authoritative figure. So if you can basically puncture that. Um, if you can puncture that tank, as it were, with humor, if you can show it's just a silly little man behind the curtain, you, you kind of take away their power.
1: Wow. And now I have even more respect for stand-up comics, you know, because yeah. they, they really stand up to authority. They really call out uh, false beliefs and, you know, like, like obsolete notions.
0: Well, they used to. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: they, they, they do that, yeah, with... If our authority was a little more permissive, maybe they'd do a little bit more because they also have to kind of then suffer, you know, being banned from Twitter or put in jail or, you know, all kinds of things. But that is their power.
0: Yeah. Well, when a comedian does that, uh, which is a comedian's privilege to slaughter sacred cows, as we said, then uh, everyone else will see it and it kind of ripples out and it stops that conformity effect.
1: Yeah, yeah. And hence it's so powerful. Humor and comedy. Awesome. Uh, yes. you also talked about Apple's policy on user tracking change the digital advertising landscape. So how can individuals demand transparency and ethical behavior from corporations and institutions?
0: Um, I don't think that we can expect corporations and institutions to do the right thing. I don't think anyone's going to come along and save us. So it's really in our hands. it's up to us to take personal responsibility. Uh, and again, there are things you can do like, well, use these tools less, uh, give away less data, um, don't consent to, uh, agreements, to, to use websites to make sure you don't tick the, the, the boxes to, to analyze your data, that kind of thing. Um, And you can also do things like setting up multiple accounts under different names, um, having one email address only for kind of spam or commercial emails and one for personal or business, um, using private browsers, VPNs, that kind of thing, Um, but I know that takes a bit more effort.
1: Yeah. And and understanding how these things work as well, because most of the times people don't really know Mm. how. The data is getting misused,
0: and yeah, yeah. Even I don't know really. I work in the industry It's very complicated.
1: Yes, exactly. So, so there is a there is a lot in the book. Um, I also I have a point here: consciously centering the information we consume, focusing on text-based sources for critical thinking. Uh, and then you also talked about emotionally charged visuals how to be,
0: um, I know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, so I think there's two things. <clears throat> One is, um, consciously filtering the information that you're exposed to. So, uh, we tu- turn into what we tune into, um, or philosopher said, you become what we pay attention to. Um, and so you can't really not be nudged or influenced or brainwashed because our brains are so small and the universe is so infinitely big. Um, that we have to rely on heuristics and institutions, and we can only see a tiny, tiny speck of the entire universe. Um, But what we can do is choose the reality that we live in. Um, So, for example, if you want to see the world in a more poetic light, uh, you just need to read poetry. If you're using Twitter, you know, most people, myself included, follow people who are quite angry and and kind of riled up about issues of the day probably would be more constructive and productive to follow people who can give health advice or financial advice and, or who share poetry, just things to make the, your, your immediate world seem nicer. So we have a chapter on that called Choose Your Illusion, uh, how you can filter the information and that makes your life better. Um, and then uh, the other point that you raised is about the power of visuals to influence. Um, so images, especially video, are more attention-grabbing, more emotional, more comprehensible, uh, more memorable, more persuasive, et cetera, et cetera. It's called the picture superiority effect. Um, So we've had eyes for a lot longer than we've had language, and therefore images just influence us more readily. They they have what is called pre-attentive effects. So an image influences us before we even consciously aware of what we're looking at. Text, on the other hand, um, is slower. engages a slower thinking style. It gives you a brain and room to breathe. Uh you could stop and think about what you're reading and digest it and incorporate it into, into your previous experiences and memories. Um uh, one study found that people who got their news from newspapers had more stable political or more stable beliefs at the time than people who got their news from the TV, uh, because the TV is more of a superficial kind of shallow one thing to the next, bam, 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 a very quick start. Um, so that chapter is called Get It In Writing. It uh, and it's about the importance, yeah, of reading your information rather than just having it via image or especially video. Hmm.
1: Choose your illusion. Love that. And uh, get it into writing. Uh, before I get to the next thing, and I was just thinking, uh, Patrick, because, you know, how do you, How do you make this distinction that uh, you're being influenced or you're being manipulated? Because, you know, as an open mind, um, you know, let's not be too rigid. Let's respect differences. Let's hear out the other opinion. And in in today's world, I mean, that is also possible. So there are positives of being so connected because like my 16-year-old, you know, he's always going to take sides of the minorities and and you know, and, you know, racism and yes, such strong views about it. We didn't grow up on that, but he's more exposed to the global issue, so he's influenced into, uh, you know, things that he would not be otherwise if he was leading, you know, a sheltered like um, or or you know, like, yeah, less exposure. So how well, how do you figure it out? I'm also speaking from the from the perspective of parents, because uh, teenagers, you know, they are subjected to so much information where they're forming opinions, and you know, sometimes too strong uh, opinions, sometimes uh, emotionally charged opinions, and they're being misled, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, and not just teenagers. I mean, you also because the, the times that we are in Patrick, they're so different from. You know what we grew up in. So, how do I be open and not rigid about what can be new concepts, new philosophies, new, new ways of being, and yet be rooted? So, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a tricky question. Um, there's a quote I can't remember but by some British, uh, some philosopher. I think British uh, who said that politics have wrestled with uh, this fight between tradition and innovation forever, like keep things the same or change things. Uh, that's really what all of it comes out to. Although sometimes it's less keep things the same and more let's go back to how it used to be. One of the key points from the book is uh, this aspect of humility and also to avoid absolutes, to avoid this black and white thinking, the split thinking, it must be either this or this. Uh, I think two things can be true. Uh, so even two two beliefs, two ways of seeing the world, which seem very different uh, and extreme, they probably have more in common than they realize. And everyone's just a human being. We all have more or less the same motivations and wishes for our lives as everyone else. Um, so I do believe there's there's common ground to be found. Um, so it is important to be open minded, uh, but not so open minded that your brain falls out Uh, as the saying goes um at the same time you know i think it's important to hold on to traditions then be conservative but obviously there's all sorts of uh negatives associated with that as well if you're fundamentalist and you uh you're not open to new ideas or new people or have you so um i think it's like i said earlier uh socrates i think or aristotle uh laid out these key elements of wisdom and one of them is uh listening to other people's perspectives and integrating them into your own so it's important to have your core philosophy your thing to cling on to and listen to other people's and see how they fit with your own and maybe you change your own a bit and so on but uh where it gets dangerous i think is where if any of us are pulled into the extremes yeah,
1: completing uh net of your own troops. Or they're not aware of your own truth, then you are like,
0: yeah. Blood and uh, rats.
1: In the wind. Yeah. So uh there is power of incrementalism and setting public goals contribute to positive behavior changes. How that happens? What role does regulation play, such as distinguishing virtual avatars from real individuals in the metaverse? Uh,
0: there's a couple of things that one is uh which is this technique that's used to change behavior. It's called the the foot-in-the-door technique or the boiling frog technique. Um, But if you want people to do something big, a big ask, if you ask them to do the big thing, they'll say no, absolutely not. But if you ask them to do a very small thing and and increase it in steps, they're more likely to do it. Yeah, there's many examples of this, but the the foot-in-the-door technique, for example, people are more likely to vote for a political candidate if they agreed to signing a petition first, that kind of thing. So going back to your first question, that's just artful choreography, 24 hours a day um, and people will be plugged into this screen-based world, which is kind of divorced from the true reality. Um, I think maybe the political dimension of the future will be fantasy reality, people in the screen-based world, which you already kind of see now, like Marvel and, and Star Wars and, and so on. Um, versus people who are, I don't know, go out and go to the park and or things like that. Um so the potential for manipulation with the metaverse is enormous because it's really controlling how people perceive the world to be and you to a certain extent, your brain doesn't distinguish between real images and fake images. Um so deep fakes and generative AI, the persuasive Implications are enormous. Even if you know something is fake, it's still going to have an emotional impact on you.
1: When you say the parts we can feed there and reclaiming the tone of our minds, you know, these kind of terms came up when I was, uh, you know, reading about the book and looking at the book, Head from Helplessness to Individual Agency. You know, it's, you know, like it's really reclaiming your mind and your power and, uh, then you do that, you're getting even more useful um, to the world because otherwise you don't even know that you're being led in a certain direction. I mean, that's, I think mean, that's a very bad place to be because, you know, you don't even know that you're being used. Yeah. And it's your wishes for something that you won't even want to be. And uh, and this is like really getting your power back.
0: Well, well I think there's an important point there that... It's fine to be led by people, but you you really need to choose who you're being led by and be aware of it. Um, so if you get married, for example, you're voluntarily going into this kind of almost like a brainwashing ritual. You know, all the clothing and the dancing and everything, It's um, it, it really is a mind-changing, transformative ritual. But you're choosing to go into it, learn what it will do to you. Um, so I think that's the difference between you Influence and manipulation is being aware that you're being led down a certain path and opting into it.
1: For brands and communication and advertising with these powerful images, that be it fashion, um, be it, uh, you know all aspirational brands, uh, which are trying to create temptation, desire, whether it's food, processed foods, uh, all of these categories are you know trying to manipulate and you know ignite a desire oh uh, which is not totally healthy food sometimes might not be healthy things that you're going to acquire might be completely beyond your reach or at least you don't need it you require it but this kind of a conversation patrick that um uh, it comes up that you know it's it, you know it's not totally responsible but how can grants Think like this. That, I mean, because it's 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 not in their interest that you know. I'm I'm into brand strategy, and and we always talk about which emotion to use. You know, yeah. like the brand is going to be what buttons to push. You know, and so then it is only on the consumer to figure out do I need it, do I not need it? How, yeah. how do It's it's totally on the consumer to put their uh, boundary. Can manufacturers actually
0: do something about it in their communication? Um, well, I suppose it's difficult because then you're putting yourself probably at a disadvantage um, in the marketplace. Uh, but then, if that's true, are you actually making something that people even need? Uh, <laughs> maybe your entire life's work is a is a waste and a waste of resources and time. I mean, Coca-Cola, does that actually bring any benefit to anyone? Um, It's just sugary water, right? Um, So I, but you know, there are products and brands which people do need and which uh, they do want and which do fulfill something. And so the best targeted advertising in theory is not even advertising. It's just giving people information that they want and need, whether they need it. Um, So. The better these means of distribution and target to the in theory, hopefully the less you need to rely on trucks basically to get people to buy stock.
1: Yeah. But they say you cannot create a need. You can always yeah. a want, and that's what they do. They just create a want.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: social proof or you know, most all, all, of the behavioral science principles. So I guess consumers, it's on you.
0: <laughs> I think so. Yeah, we all have to take responsibility.
1: Yes, thank you so much, Patrick. It's been amazing, guys. Pick up the book, and uh, this is this is such a fascinating topic, at, uh, and it's it's influencing every aspect of our life. Um, Patrick, do you want to say anything about the book? Uh,
0: it's available on Amazon. Um, we do have a, a publisher in uh, India. Well, we do. Let's uh, go through your mind. Um, please, bye.
1: Yes, this is a movement of thoughts. Thank you very much. It was Thank you. Having you back. And uh, I hope you write another book. Can we meet again on that?
0: Great. Thank you very much. Nice to see you.